Our scripture reading this morning comes from Galatians chapter 5, verses 1 through 15. Hear God's word to us. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, good morning, Christ Community. My name's, my name's Nathan. It's good to be with you. I'm one of the senior pastors, and uh, one, of the, one of the great joys of uh, the role that I get to serve is, one, I get to, to worship at various campuses from time to time. I spend most of my time out uh, in Olathe at our Olathe campus, but it's great that I get a, to get a, a feel for everything that's going on. And, and even more than that, I love the fact that I get to work really closely with people like Gabe and Tyler. Uh, what an incredible team you all have here. And Sean and Aaliyah, we're just so grateful for, for what's happening here. Uh, the Coils had us over for dinner uh, this past Friday, and you know, our families and the, the campus pastors' families across all of our campuses. It's just so much fun. Uh, Gabe and Allie are such incredible people, and their wisdom, their leadership. Uh, it's just really fun uh, to be able to work. And we, we know, right, that, um, you know, God is the one who builds this church, right, who, who makes her flourish. Uh, and yet he uses incredible people uh, to do it. And so it's just a privilege to work with people like, like Gabe. I love that guy. So thanks for inviting me to, to be here, uh, to be a part of this. He asked me to do this, and I was really excited to be able to do that. And, and thanks to all of you as well for being a part of the Christ Community family across our city, uh, on mission together. Uh, Gabe and I, these last several months, we've spent quite a bit of time talking about uh, the future. What, is it, what does it look like? Dreaming together, praying, thinking, uh, planning um, as you all, as we here in this space continue to grow, as this community around us continues to develop, uh, what's next? Um, how do we do that well? We know there are challenges ahead, uh, but we are with you. Uh, we, we love you, and we're, we're really excited. Um, God is doing some, some great things. So thanks for letting me be with you. Let me pray, and then we'll look at God's word this morning. Father, thank you so much for your church. God, and for the regular reminder it is um, that we submit ourselves to you and to your word and to one another in community. And so, God, I pray that as we come to these things this morning, I pray that you would show us more of who we are, more of who you've created us to be. God, and would you change us through your spirit. Speak to us from your word, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I didn't, I didn't want to like it. There was so much hype 
around. Everybody's like, you've got to see this movie, you know, which is the worst thing to say to me because that's like, don't tell me what I have to do. Um, and and I'm, I'm actually, I'm still a little bit mad at how much I loved it. The Greatest Showman. It's embarrassing, right? Some of you are like, I wanted to respect him. Um, <laughs> I know, I know, I didn't want to like it either. Um, but I was just sort of, I was shucked, sucked into it. I mean, I, lo- Hugh- I want to be Hugh Jackman, right? The guy's the Wolverine and Jean Valjean, right? It's just not, it's not fair. I hate that guy. And, and, you know, we sat down as a family. I've got, I've got two kids. They're, they're 9 and 11. Uh, and so we, we start, you know, it's family movie night or whatever, and we turned it on, and all of us were hooked within, like, a, a second. We were just right all across the, like, all of us. We were, we were right, right there. And the movie itself is, I mean, the movie's good, right? But the music, anybody else? Like, I mean, I don't, I don't know if we've listened to anything else in the last month in our house. And we sing, people. We dance. It is... It is not pretty. Um, we are awful at all those things, but we do it anyway. And we, you just can't help it when you, when you listen to it. What is it about this, this music? Because I mean, articles have been written about it. It's been nominated for awards. It's, it's been like in the top five best-selling albums on Billboard for like almost six months. Like what is it about this music? Well, I mean, musically, it's just kind of a party for your ears, right? It's just super fun. Uh, but lyrically... Like, I'm convinced that there is something there that just, just grabs us. Doesn't matter, doesn't matter who you are, whether you like the movie or not. Like, if you just listen to these songs, like, there's something in the lyrics that all of us crave that, that we will do almost anything to achieve. In fact, go, go home. If you have the sound, listen to it later today. You'll, you'll see it in each one of these songs, this craving you and I have for personal freedom, for freedom. And, and so, like, if you know the story, of, even if you don't, it doesn't matter. Like, Barnum, he, like, he craves freedom from his past, his poverty, his in-laws' expectations. His business partner wants, wants freedom from the drudgery and the snobs around him, the, the, the freaks, right? I don't know what else to call them. Sounds so terrible. That's what it's affectionately in the movie. You get it. Um, like, they want, they want freedom from the oppression, the, 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 the unkindness of strangers. The, the crowds want freedom from boredom and loneliness. Everybody, everybody wants freedom. Like freedom to, to, to live the best life, freedom to be who they are. And you and I, like we, we want that, don't we? Like I, I, no matter who you are, like freedom from, you know, financial freedom, freedom from others, uh, freedom from ourselves, freedom to live the best life. I want that. I mean, there are a couple of these songs. I, it doesn't matter how many times I've listened to them. I still get goosebumps and I hate myself for it. Like, it's like the opening number, it says, it's everything you ever want, everything you ever need, here, right in front of you. And we want that freedom. Freedom to be the best version of me. Freedom to to be, to live the best life. And Paul, here in Galatians, Paul, he knows that. He he knows that that longing. In fact, in many ways, this this letter that we've been studying as a church for the last couple months, Galatians, next week is our our last Sunday studying Galatians, and we'll be back in in the book of Acts. Uh, But, I mean, in many ways, Galatians is all about this quest for freedom and, frankly, about our inability to get there on our own. If you have a Bible, turn with me. We'll have some of the scripture on the screen. But Galatians 5 is what we're looking at. That's at the heart of this this message. And, And the reality is it doesn't, it doesn't matter how many times you sing, this is me. And I love that song. You can call me later on. We'll do a duet over the phone together. It'll be awful. Um, it doesn't matter how, how many times you sing, this is me. You're still, many of us, like fragile and afraid. 
like imprisoned by the expectations of others, often feeling lonely. I mean, sing your heart out. It's not going to change you. It doesn't matter how many times you sing from now on. That's probably my favorite song in that musical, right? So good. But anybody else just like a little bit disturbed that that's the climax of the, of the story? Like Barnum spends his entire life chasing fame and fortune. He pushes everyone away. Like his, he's alienated from his family. And then all of a sudden, one day, he just decides from now on, I'm going to be a decent human. Is that all it takes? Jeez, I should have tried that years ago, Right? Like, we, we know better. We know better. And the message of Galatians, yes, we want freedom, you and I. And, and the message is, yeah, we can have it. It's available to us. It is offered to us real freedom. But according to what God says in his word, only Christ can set us free. Only Jesus can make you free. Now, now I realize, even in saying that, I've lost some of you, right? Maybe I lost you because I'm talking about the greatest showman for so long. Um, but some of you, I've, I've lost you because it sounds like such a churchy thing to say, Jesus sets us free, right? It's like, well, what does that even mean? And, or maybe, maybe you're like me and you think, well, I'm kind of doing okay on my own. I mean, most of the time, that's how I feel. Like, I, I am free. I can do what I want. I can make my own, my own decisions. I'm, I'm free. And, you know, Jesus is great. But, like, we, we feel that often, don't we? And some, some of us are right there. You, you feel free on your own. And yet the first thing we see in Galatians is that you and I are not as free as we think we are. You might think you're free. I am not as free as I think I am. Look, look at Galatians 5, how Paul starts this off. Um, in, in verse 1, he says, For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Don't go back, you say. Like, you, you were a slave once. You've been separate. Like, why would you go back there, Paul's saying? Now, what's, what's interesting to point out is Paul is writing to both a religious and a non-religious crowd. Yes, they're, they're all Christians now, but he's writing to both Jewish Christians, right, who grew up steeped in the law, keeping all the rules, doing everything, you know, right, so to speak, as well as Gentile Christians who are there, who, who grew up, frankly, like many of us, right, with kind of an anything-goes sort of culture. And yet he tells both of them there in the church don't go back to your slavery. Don't, don't go in that direction. It's not worth it, Paul says. And one of, the, one of the things that fascinates me about our culture today is how free we think we are. And we're obsessed with it, right? I mean, really, like, if, you, if you think about it, if we're honest with one another, there's really only two rules left in our culture, Right? The highest is be true to yourself. Like that, that is number one. You have got whatever's in you, you have got, you've got to do that. You've got to be that, right? And nobody can look down on you, judge you, say you shouldn't do it. Like if that's, if that's who you are, be true to you. That's, that's the number one rule in our culture. The number two is like just don't hurt anybody, right? It's sort of the qualification of, of the first one. You can do anything. I mean, if you just even think about that for a moment, you and I, we have unprecedented freedom to make whatever choice we want, to live however we want to live our lives. You can do anything, Right? And nobody can say anything about it as long as you don't hurt anybody. I mean, in many ways, that kind of freedom is absolutely unprecedented. And yet, we're miserable. We, we can't handle the, the pressure. Depression and, and anxiety are through the roof. We don't, we don't know what we want. What, okay, we have this freedom to decide, but what do I pick? How do I, how do I know what's right and where I should go? And like, we're, we're kind of a mess. As I mean, even just think about, like, like, which me should I be true to? 
my eight-year-old me, right? Because when I was eight, I knew what life was about, and I was living for candy and Legos, right? That was it. Is that what's going to make me happy today, right? Is that how I should use my freedom? Well, no, okay. So what about the 18-year-old version of me, right? When I had one thing on my mind, right? That was it. Should I, should I go back to that guy and let him call the shots? What about the 38-year-old version of me? That's me today. I finally figured it out. I know exactly what I want. What about when I'm 58? Then what? Like our desires, they're constantly changing. You, we don't even know what we want most of the time. And to say that that's freedom, living into what I want in the moment. Well, what, about, what about tomorrow? What if I want something different? What if it changes? What if I, what if I pick poorly, right? We're, we're a mess as a result. And even, even if you don't agree with that, what about the times when, yes, you say, I'm, I'm free, but your desires compete with one another, which is often the case with the very best things in life, right? Like where you can't, you can't you're not free to choose both. I mean, for example, like, you know, do I live for success at all costs? Or do I want a family that sticks with me and cares for me and loves me, right? Like, which, which one is it going to be? Do I want to save for retirement or buy a boat, right? So many times our desires, they compete with one another. And we think we're free, but we still have to choose. Yeah, but Nathan, at least then I'm the one making the, the decisions, right? Are you? Because chances are your lifestyle choices, your big decisions are still filtered through whatever your culture at, the very, at this moment says is right and good and valuable. Like when you have those, those choices to make of, of which direction you go, your culture, nine times out of ten, you're going to go in whatever, whatever direction our culture happens to be in the mood for at the time. Nah, Nathan, that's not me. I'm free. You know, I, I dance to the beat of my own drum. It's funny how your rhythm sounds so much like everybody else's. Like we think we're free and yet we're still making the choices that everybody else makes around us so often. And even, even if you still, no, no, I don't, I'm free. Okay, fine. Agree to disagree, okay? Let's say you really are truly free. But what about the things you don't like about yourself? I mean, whether you're a Christian or not, or however you grew up, whatever you believe, like you have them, I have them. What are the things that you don't want anybody to find out about you? The thoughts that you have, like the things that you do only behind closed doors when you know that nobody is looking. You have them, I have them. Like if you're so ashamed of those things, then why don't you just stop? Like don't do it anymore. Stop, stop buying stuff you don't need and can't afford. Stop looking at porn. Stop harboring bitterness. Stop judging people or whatever it is. Like, if, if you don't like it about yourself, just stop. How's that working out? I mean, the reality is until you try to stop, you won't realize that you can't. And until you realize that you can't, you will never understand your need for Jesus as the only one who can set us free. Because we, we're free, right? Do anything you want. But we're addicted to food, sex, our cell phones, video games, Netflix, drugs, Facebook. We're alcoholics, shopaholics, workaholics. We have, we have more money, right, than ever and more debt. We have more time-saving devices than we could have even imagined 20 years ago. And we've never been more overwhelmed by our schedules. We're more connected to more people. Like you can you be in touch with anyone at any time, anywhere, and we've never been more alone. 
We have, we have unbelievable sexual freedom and unending pain, heartache, and abuse. And we call it freedom. You see, we think freedom is doing whatever you want to do, right? That's how we define it. Freedom is doing what I want to do, and so that's, that's how I'm free. But that's not, that's not freedom. I mean, look where that's, look where that's taken us. Does anyone, does anyone here actually think we humans are, are making progress, like things are getting better? Look around. Freedom isn't doing whatever you want to do. Freedom is doing what you were meant to do. It's not just doing whatever, whatever I feel like in the moment, right? That's, that will never work. Freedom, true freedom is found in doing what we were created for. Only then will we find joy. And yet instead, we're, we're sort of like the train on the tracks who hates the tracks, right? Stupid tracks. Always tell me what to do, where to go, right? One day, I'll be free, right? It's not going to work. Listen, you, you may have shrugged off all the external constraints, and I get that, and I, you know, in many ways, I respect that. Like, you, you, you can try that, right? You, maybe, maybe you've done that. There's no rule that you have left, or you, you think you have no rules left. But listen, that does not make you free. And chances are you are not as free as you think you are. But it gets worse before it gets better. Because you cannot free yourself. That's the second thing. You cannot free yourself, and God knows we've tried, Right? constantly, all the time. And it's, it's infuriating that we can't do it because everything is like pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. We want to so badly. And even, even 2,000 years ago to the Galatians, Paul here then, he takes them back to the, to the, same, to the same argument. If you've been with us these past few weeks uh, in Galatians, uh, really the, the, the entire letter of Galatians, it's really about just one thing, Right? I mean, honestly, I feel like, you know, I preached a lot of these messages in, in Olathe and, and, and you know, Gabe and Tyler here. It's been basically the same sermon over and over again for the last, you know, what is it, seven weeks? Um, you probably caught that, right? It's the same thing over and over and over again, just in a, in a different angle, a different way. At the core of it, if you're new here, let me just kind of explain to you what's going on there. It's really important to, to Paul's argument. The, the Galatian church has these, these new people there who have begun to say, yes, Jesus is great. We love Jesus. But if you really want to be free... Paul writes, first you have to become Jewish, circumcision, and then Jesus will save you. Which, I mean, to us, our culture is like, come on, really, circumcision? And by the way, I think I've said circumcision more times in the last six weeks uh, in church than I have in my entire life. Uh, sorry about that. That's Paul's fault. Or I guess it's these Galatians' fault. Um, but it's, it's a big deal. But for us, it's like, why? Who cares? But the reality is we do the same kinds of things, right? We're always trying to add something, right? This, when this happens, then I'll be right. I'll be okay. God will love me. When this happens, then I'll be free and my life will be good. Once I have that or do this, then it'll be okay. It's the same, it's the same thing. And so, so Paul then in verse 2, he says, Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. Like he's dead to you. He doesn't... He doesn't He'll do nothing for you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ. You who'd be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. I mean, Paul is, he's picking his language pretty deliberately there, right? Did you kind of notice what he's doing? He does it again in a minute. It gets worse, right? Basically he's saying, you only think you're cutting off part of your body. 
Like you think this is just a little, a little, little surgery, right? This, this is not, you are severing yourself from Christ. You are, you are removing yourself from grace. And Paul's like, why would you do that? And again, it sounds so extreme to us. Like, what's the big deal? Add a little rule, whatever. But the reality is, what happens when we pick legalism, and really if we pick lawlessness, either direction. So when we, when we reject all the rules, right, it comes from one, one attitude. When we, when we run to rules and we create rules for our rules and we're obsessed with the rules, it's really the same heart for both, right? It's a heart that says God can't be trusted. He doesn't have my best interests at heart. I mean, that's, that's why you're so obsessed with the rules, right? Because you're afraid if you don't keep them all, a, a piano is going to drop on you, right? And God, because he's angry with you, he's out to get you, he just he can't be trusted. But the same is true if you throw all the rules away because God, he doesn't understand me, he doesn't know me. If he really loved me, then he'd let me, right? And God, he just can't be trusted. So whichever ever path you take, the stem is the same. And Paul is like, you're, you're, you're saying that Jesus isn't enough. And when you do that, you're in great, great danger. And Paul, I mean, I mean, let's just name it. Paul is mad. And he gets pretty passionate in other places in the New Testament. If you're familiar at all with his writing, he wrote several letters. Uh, one of the other places where he gets pretty heated is First and Second Corinthians. But even there, it's very different. So the issue in, in that church, uh, they got a lot of issues. Um, but but kind of one of the big ones is that this guy in the church in Corinth has been sleeping with his stepmom which is not great regardless of what culture you live in, right? I mean, even us, it's like, I don't know about that. And Paul, like, he, he, writes, he writes to them and says, like, dude, don't. Like, this is, this is not good for you. It's not good for her. It's not good for your dad or your family. It's not going to help you follow Jesus. And, and this guy, he responds, he hears from Paul. He's like, oh, okay, well, then I won't. Right? He, he, he repents. He, I mean, because he, he, he wants to follow Jesus. He wants to be more like him. He says, I won't, I won't do that anymore. And Paul in 2 Corinthians, and he writes back to the same church and says, you better welcome him in with open arms. Like, you better receive this guy. You love him. You forgive him. He is, he is, he is there. He is with you. I mean, Paul is big on grace. He, I mean, for those who have sinned and come back to Jesus, I mean, Paul, and as the church should be open arms, but for those who spit on grace, who say that Jesus isn't enough, that you need a little bit more to get there, I mean, Paul takes it pretty seriously. Look at verse 7. He says, you are running well. You got to appreciate the irony of that. Like, it's like before you tried to bring all the rules back, you guys were doing great. You were, you were loving Jesus. You were loving your neighbor. You were loving each other. But then you added all these rules, and it's just falling apart. So skip the twelve. These are harsh words. I wish those who unsettle you, who teach this, would emasculate themselves. The Bible is not G-rated, people. And again, Paul is picking his language. Like He knows exactly what he's doing, right? He's going back to the same metaphor, and he's saying, if, if this is how you're going to live, if this is the quest you're on to find this freedom on your own, then you might as well just go ahead and cut the whole thing off. Like, better to be removed from the gene pool, Paul says, than that you continue to perpetrate this idea that you can do this freedom, this life, that you can, that you can have joy and satisfaction apart from Christ. Because it, it just won't work. And that's what Paul is doing. He's not, he's not trying to be mean here. He's like, it's not, you can do it. Like, you can try, and we try. I try all the time, but it's not going to work. Like, it doesn't matter how many times you say from now on. Go back to your old ways. How many, how many, do you remember your New Year's resolutions? Like, maybe I thought about it, right? It's not working. 
Only Christ can set us free. Well, how? I mean, this is what, this is what Paul's been saying over and over. This is why it's been the same sermon all, every week of this series, right? Look at it. Look how he phrases it in verse 5. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision count for anything, but only faith working through love. Through the Spirit, by faith, and Jesus will set you free. And even that, even that construction there, hope of righteousness, it's not like this wish that's out there. It's like one day we'll be good, we'll be righteous, we'll be okay. Like that's not, that's not it's, it's a confidence that Paul is saying that this, this is a sure hope. This is where we're moving towards. Like that one day you will be right. You will be fully, completely whole and free. You can bank on it, Paul is saying. So don't go back. And for us, friends, are we... Are we waiting for this? Do you believe this hope that it's, it's for us? Do we remind ourselves of the hope that we have, the freedom that we have? Because the reality is, whether it's 2,000 years ago in the Church of Galatia or here, right, somebody is going to try to take away your freedom. And we're, we're sort of like the, the animal who gets accustomed to the cage. After a while, you don't even have to lock the door, right? It just goes in there. We, we slide back in, whether it's because of lawlessness or legalism, we go back so quickly. But listen, if you're a Christian, you need to think, begin every day, I need to begin every day thanking God that I'm not a slave anymore. Like, that's the starting point. I am not, I am, I'm a child of God, fully loved, fully accepted, that you, if you're with Jesus, you are, you are beautiful, you are whole, you are right with him, even in this moment. I mean, that's what Paul has been saying all throughout this letter, that that is, you're not a slave. And we have to, because we go back to the cage, we have to remind ourselves that day in and day out. And let me say also, if you're not a Christian, we're, we're really, really glad that you're here. We want this to be a safe place where you explore Jesus and why we continue to gather around him week in and week out. We're really, really glad you're here. But the things that you're looking for to give you freedom, they're not going to work. And Paul is saying, here it is for you. Okay, well, sweet, let's party. Free, right? Because anything goes, we can, we can do whatever we want. We don't have to worry about anything. We can just, you know, live our lives. And no, no, not quite. Hold up. Only Christ can set you free. But don't miss this, this last point. And this is really the whole end of Galatians is about this. And that, th- that your freedom, my freedom, it's not for me, ultimately. Your freedom is not for you, ultimately. Christ, yes, he died to set you free. But as we said, freedom isn't just doing whatever you want. It's doing what you were meant to do. It's being who you were created to be. And Paul says that we find that place of flourishing and joy when we love but those, those are the train tracks you and I have been built for. It's a sweet spot. It's the place of flourishing. Look at, look at verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. That's Paul's metaphor for sin. Like, don't, don't just do it to do whatever you want. But instead, through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. It's not that the Old Testament law is irrelevant. I mean, Paul's not dismissing all that. He's saying 
There's a, there's a new law in town. Frankly, it's way harder in many ways, right? When it comes to, to the heart and grace and actually loving one another, not just doing what you're supposed to do, but actually the affections of our hearts, it's way harder. But it's so much better because it's what we were made for. It's what you and I have been designed to do. I mean, everything, everything within our culture says, you be free for you, right? I mean, that's the message we hear everywhere, all the time. You be free for you. You, you do you, you follow your heart, you be true to yourself, you be free for you. And almost nobody's happy. And yet here stands Jesus saying, no, you be free for me. Be free for others. Be free to give yourself away in love. I mean, one of the, one of the sciences that, that fascinates me right now is, is neurology. There's just so much being learned as we study the brain and all that. And uh, it's, it's, it's a place I like to nerd out occasionally. But, uh, but scientists, they're, they're beginning to discover more and more that, that our, our brains don't fully function by themselves. And so if you're alone in, in a room by yourself, yes, your brain, you're, you're, you're okay. But something happens, like just mirror neurons. Like when we're in community, our brains just function better. Like they were maybe designed to function that way. Uh, if you're interested, The Anatomy of the Soul by Dr. Kurt Thompson is a really helpful resource. In that. But our brains need each other. We, we need each other. In fact, researchers have gone so far to even say that our primary impulse in life is not fight or flight, survival, which is what, you know, we've thought for so long. That actually our primary impulse, our first desire is reach to any, any human who will reach back. That, that we we have connection always in our, in our minds, our hearts, that we, we long to attach to, to anyone, anything. We, we're built for this, people. It's the thing that we want most, and we're lousy at it because of the fall, because of sin. But Jesus frees us to love. How? You're not a slave anymore. I mean, you're, you're a child of, of God. I mean, this is me, love, forgiven, whole. I don't have anything to prove, anything to hide, anything to fear anymore because the God of the universe already, already accepts me. And now you can forgive because you've been forgiven. You can be patient with others because God, he has been so patient to me. You can sacrifice because you know your heavenly father will care for you and protect you. You can die to yourself and your own desires because you know one day you will live forever with him. You can give because you've received you are free to love. I mean, it's what we were made for. And just imagine, like if we, if we took that into our workplace tomorrow, our school, our homes, imagine what that would do in our community. Imagine our marriages, our close relationships. I mean, so many of them break so easily. And in those moments, right, our tendency, we think freedom is running, getting out, right? Just being done with the relationship, living for ourselves. But that imposter will consume you. In fact, that's kind of where, where Paul goes at the end here of this passage. Look at, look at verse 15. I mean, it's either, it's either love through Christ or we do what the Galatian church is at risk of doing. Here's the alternative. He says, instead of this love thing, if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. And we are consumers, aren't we? But it's not just stuff. We consume people. We do it. In every injustice, Every, every sexual abuse or scandal, every, I mean, just even think of, think of the ways we talk to one another, the things that we do to people who we disagree with, the way we demonize one another. We consume each other. Paul's saying, not, not anymore. Not now, not here, not in his church. And just imagine a church that lived that out, the joy that we'd have. Not because we have to, but because we're free to. Sort of like the, uh, the difference between Winky and Dobby. 
You with me, right? Some of you are like, I have no idea. Others are like, I'm finally with you. Uh, let, me, let me help you out a little bit. Winky and Dobby, they're house elves. Does that help? No? Uh, have you heard of Harry Potter? Anybody? Okay. Um, so as we all know, house, house elves uh, are born into slavery. That's, that's who they are. They're slaves by, by birth, um, like, like us in many ways, as, at least according to what the Bible says. Uh, but Winky and Dobby, they're both offered freedom, right? And, and Winky, though, she receives her freedom, and she doesn't know what to do with it. She, she kind of actually, she both exploits it as well as resents it and, and spends the rest of her life, like, drinking and just being a, a, a slave to her own laziness, right? She just doesn't know. And you, you read that. If you've read the books, like, you just you pity her. You know, like, that's not flourishing. That, I don't want to. That's not, that's not what we're meant for, right? Anybody knows that. But then there's Dobby. <sighs> don't you love Dobby. I mean, I even just love saying Dobby, right? I mean, he's like, he's who you want to be in the story. And, and when he is given his freedom, because he was a slave as well to a wicked master, and Harry Potter sets him free. And at that point on, right, there's nothing Dobby won't do for Harry and his friends. Not because he has to, because he just can't imagine doing anything else. Like, he, he trusts Harry. He loves Harry, and everything is building to, to this, 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 this love that they have for one another. And we, we applaud that. Like we read that and we know that's, we know that when we give ourselves away for the sake of others, there's, there's joy. We know that. We applaud that. And so let me ask, are you a Dobby or are you a Winky? Okay. It's a question I never thought I'd ask in a sermon. Um, some of you wish I hadn't ever asked it. Uh, let, me, let me rephrase it. Are you, are you going to be a slave to your own selfishness? always on that quest for more, that one thing that will finally do it. Are you going to be a slave to yourself or a servant of Christ? Servant of others, servant of love? Because if you think about it, like who is freer than Jesus? I mean, he's God after all, right? And God, who's freer than God? How did Jesus use his freedom? He came here as a human, as a servant. He spent his freedom on a cross to set us free. And so how will you spend your freedom? 